Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. My cat Rachel is the silliest cat I know. One time, she played inside a paper bag for three hours. What a mystery. <laughs> But I'm glad her health isn't. Thanks to the color-changing litter from Fresh Step Crystals Health Monitoring Litter. This premium color-changing litter has pH-activated crystals that can help me detect potential illness early. That makes it easy for me to stay on top of her health and well-being. I may not understand all of Rachel's silly quirks, but I can keep up with the important things. Find Fresh Step Crystals Health Monitoring Litter at a store near you. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast presented by TaylorMate. I'm Rex, he's Lav, and Lav, we had some golf. It wasn't great golf, but it was golf. The TaylorMade Driving Relief match was held on Sunday at Seminole Golf Club in South Florida. A lot of things to touch on here, but just off the top, give me your thoughts on yesterday's match. Well, it was just great to actually have something to watch at 2 o'clock on a Sunday. I feel like we've we've forgotten what that was like during our during our couch potato era here. It was nice to have live sports to to watch. It was nice to see the world number one swing a golf club again with 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 shots that that may not be for PJ Tour titles, but they certainly were doing their part to to raise the much needed funds for for a very worthy cause with COVID nineteen relief efforts. And Rex, I mean that was the that was the big takeaway from this, right? I mean the fact that these four players raised more than five million dollars for these relief efforts, which was, which was just a, a, a great cause. The golf was, was uneven at times, but, but that, that wasn't the, the bigger point of, of this match. It was to raise funds, and they certainly did that. Yes, getting on the couch. Did you go through your whole routine, popcorn, sake, whatever it is you do to, to get ready for Sunday afternoon golf? It certainly isn't sake. Uh, on, on this occasion, whatever, I'm not it, gonna was, judge you. it was Corona. Yes, I was, I was putting on. back a few Coronas, tweeting, and watching golf. That's right. that's what my Sunday consisted of. How about how about you? What was your what was your setup? Well, that uh, well, I think I'm kind of like you in this aspect. Like we don't really get to watch golf at home because we're at most golf tournaments. So when I am home, normally I will just I'll I'll put it on the recorder and then circle back around and and check the highlights later on that evening. But I wanted to see this from start to finish, the old fashioned way, the way we did it before we had fast forward and re- rewind. And I, I was captivated. I'm, I'm not going to lie. And look. There's actually, in true journalistic spirit, I, I jotted down five bullet points of things that I learned from this match. And right off the top was whenever we come back, June 11th, a colonial we're all hoping for, there is going to be some serious rust because it seems like everybody in the world has spent the last two plus months working on their game. For me, it's putting in my office. For you, it might be in the backyard hitting into a net. Whatever the case may be, I don't think these guys spent the last two plus months working on their game. I think they were more than happy to sit on the couch and become couch potatoes really for the first time in their lives, justifiably so. I'm totally fine with that. But I think it's interesting to me, the gap between them and us, at least looking at what I saw on Sunday, it's narrowed a little bit. I mean, it's still huge, but like there was a lot of rust coming out of those gates. I mean, you've missed plenty of greens from 80 to 125 yards, which is what which is what those guys were doing yesterday. But but Rex, keep in mind, Rory and DJ both said Rory said he took seven weeks off after the Players Championship, did not pick up a club, and hit a golf shot 
for seven weeks. DJ said he only hit balls for the first time the Sunday prior to the match. So it was understandably there was going to be some rust. And you throw in some really tight lies and a little bit of of crosswinds, which is what we saw Sunday at Seminole. And, yeah, you're going to have some shots that that weren't necessarily PGA Tour caliber. I have no doubt that now once these courses are reopened and they're able to to practice freely, that the the caliber of golf uh, at Colonial is going to be much higher than what we saw in the match, but there was still, there was still plenty of, of glimmers of good golf. I mean, Ricky Fowler made seven birdies on his own. He showed of that four ball. He is the best putter. And that kind of came through in the skills game as well. Well, and I glossed over this last week when we were kind of doing the preview of what to expect on Sunday. I mean, Ricky has won that Seminole member pro twice. So he knows those greens and that came through. You could absolutely see it. And and it was funny because we all leaned into the idea. This was going to be a bombing contest. And with those players, Ricky being, relatively the shortest of the group and he proved that no no it's all about the short game it's all about the putter that was the second item on my checklist of things that we learned and and look the traditionalists are going to take this opportunity to point out that driving distance are out of control we need to dial the ball back we need to dial back the clubs we need to make gyms illegal going forward even after the pandemic opens them up because that's what's ruining the game golf courses classic golf courses can't withstand the test of time hubbub Bullocks is what I say to that, because I think when you look at what happened on Sunday on a golf course, a well-designed golf course with just a little bit of wind, tight lies, perfect conditions for those kind of guys, you saw some some bad golf. I mean, let, let's call it for what it is. If you look at the first couple holes, three birdies through the first six holes, that's 24 chances from four of the world's best players, and they manage just three birdies. Good golf course design, it can beat those distance gains that traditionalists seem to be so worried about. Yeah, and I think when you look at those first couple holes, certainly you could you could point to some nerves for, for someone like Matthew Wolf, who was playing on the, the biggest stage that he's ever played in his career. I think you certainly saw some rust, particularly from from Dustin Johnson. He didn't play uh, uh, particularly well throughout the entire match. But Rex, look, the conversation leading up to this match with so much focus on Seminoles, that, boy, this is really going to be an indictment of the current game where it's just you can just bomb it everywhere and you're going to absolutely overpower the 7,200 yard golf course from the tips. And and look, that, that just didn't transpire on Sunday. I think and there's a couple reasons for that. First of all, is, is that those Donald Ross greens are, are so tricky. They're so small, they're so sloping that it's really difficult to get the ball close to the hole, even with the softer conditions. You had three or four inches of rain in the days leading up to this match at Seminole. And, and yes, it probably was softer than what the players wanted and, and what PGA Tour officials wanted and certainly what the golf course geeks wanted in order to, to show off all that Seminole has to offer. And the fact that you had a 10 to 15 mile an hour wind as opposed to 20 to 25, maybe Seminole didn't, didn't quite play uh, to its full potential, but it was still plenty tough. It was still plenty tough for these players. In, instead of overpowering this golf course and, and shooting a bunch of 60s and 62s, Ricky making seven birdies, couple that with a couple really bad swings. You're looking at guys who were, were maybe shooting a couple under par at best. I thought Seminole really held up well, even with what was just a mild breeze and even with, with what was some, some wetter conditions than they probably wanted. I've played that course, humble brag, and I've never seen it that benign. I've always seen it just howling where you have palm fronds blowing across the property like tumbleweed and you're having to brace yourself against the wind walking against it on some hole. So they actually got away lucky and you're right. It was softer than what I remember. John Ron. How about, and and look at that, that, that closest to the pin contest to, to win. It was 120 yards 
and what did two guys hit the green? Two and guys. None of them. Green. And none of them were inside 15 feet. Ricky I mean, might have hit a shank. Time. Ricky might have hit a shank. Yeah, that was a little high and thin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was really ugly. But I mean, these are the four of the best players in the world. 17 looks absolutely spectacular. I would have loved to to play that. But but I mean, from 120 yards, you can't get it inside 15 feet. That just shows a a, a some rust. These guys aren't used to hitting little chippy nine irons. They haven't been practicing that over the past nine weeks. And second of all, great, great course design and, and, a, and a course that, that certainly stood, stood the test of time and held up well uh, to these great players. I think you had a good call in our text exchange last night. And the last hole was a lot like Ocean Forest on 18. And as you and I can both test, we're usually dropping on the 18th oh, yeah. at Ocean Forest. Yeah, is this is this spot good? It's got to be 150 in. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, pick it up. Let's go from there. It's been a long day. The wind's howling. Uh, to that point, though, and, and I go back to we don't have to lengthen golf courses. We need to build better golf courses. But I'll get off my high horse on this one as well. If you want to confuse players, modern professional players, don't let them have caddies. And look, I love the caddy ranks. I don't want to get rid of caddies. Please don't take this the wrong way. I think that one of the best parts about covering the PGA Tour. But there was some serious confusion between players about yardages, about being committed to clubs, certainly about reading greens and about what shots to hit. It was some ugly putts and some ugly chip shots. And I think that's really where we see a tour caddy step in and be like, no pards, let's do this one. It's a little bit easier. You got some rust. And it, it, it was fascinating to me. Yeah, there was a lot of misreads on the greens. That was, a, that was a really good point. It always seemed like players weren't pin high either. They were a half club long, or a half club short. You saw yeah. some. You saw a couple misses in some terrible spots over the greens, which which is an absolute dead miss for a pro. I mean that that is exactly where a caddy comes into play, right? The the, the famous line is a player's responsible for left and right, and the caddy's responsible for long and short. And you had a lot of players in back bunkers and spots that were absolutely dead. Very rarely were you pin high. Although I did I did enjoy Dustin Johnson forgetting one time that that he actually. Did not have a caddy. He 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 smashed a drive. I think it was on eighteen, and he went to go step off the tee box just to go chase after his ball. He goes, "Oh oh, just can you just wait a second? I I, I forgot my bag back there." Um, but but for but for a player like Dustin Johnson, who probably hasn't been crunching his own his own numbers for for ten to fifteen years, that was certainly an eye opening experience. But but Rex, I loved it. I loved the carry bags. I love just the scaled Shorts. down version. To to me, I would love yeah. to see a tournament. Of, of these guys without caddies in shorts with carry bags. I mean, the, the real, the real players are, are going to shine in that, in that guys who necessarily aren't having their hands held by, by some of the caddies. I will go a step further. And this was kind of my next point is about some of the things that we learned and some of the things that we liked. One of those things that, and I know the first four tour events won't have caddies. We're not sure exactly. I mean, won't have fans. We're not sure exactly when fans will come. They're going to have caddies. They will have caddies. Thankfully. Uh, but there'll be no fans and you'll be able to hear a lot more of the interaction. I think we got a taste of that on Sunday and the, the interaction, not just between each player, but we'll also hear between those fans and, and like some of the things personality wise that we saw really came out like Matthew Wolf, who you have known because you've covered him at Oklahoma state. He's a funny kid. Oh yeah. And he's got, a, he's yeah. got a weird kind of quirky personality. I think maybe he might've rubbed Rory a little bit the wrong way early in the round. So there was some, some shade now, granted not great shade, but when you start bragging about millions, one some, at FedEx cup, some FedEx cup shade yeah. is, 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 is really no shade at all. That's not exactly Pippin siling up to the mailman <laughs> and telling that the mailman doesn't deliver on Sunday. No, for creativity, it doesn't really come in, but for golf, 
it's actually something I think we can sink our teeth into because it's fun. And you also hear them talking through shots. One of the best moment to me is on what was the 19th hole, that final hole. And you can tell Matt Wolf did not want to hit that shot. He did not feel comfortable with that shot. And Ricky gave him the, you just got to hit a shot, man. Like it was so calm and so matter step of fact. Step up, man. Come on, step up. Just hit a shot, man. You got to do this. And I think we're going to see that more, at least in the short term. We're going to hear more players from a, from a viewer's standpoint. And I did miss the fans. I did want to hear some piped-in claps and some piped-in getting the holes because I do miss that. But the opposite of this is I think we're going to be entertained a little bit more. I mean, on the PJ Tour, the players aren't going to be mic'd up, though. You're still going to have a mic guy who's going to be – it's going to have to stay six feet away from the players. I Look, I, I, I hope you're right when you don't have that, that kind of – buzz in the background or or claps or roars or wherever it is emanating from certain parts of the golf course you are going to have some some idle conversation that gets picked up I, I think it you know potentially would be a little bit more interesting than what we saw the the banter was a little bit dull I one of the most memorable interactions to me was 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 Matt Wolf after an errant drive and in, into the sandy area he he he, he poked fun at Dustin Johnson uh uh, you know, look at dating back to the 2010 PJ when when DJ grounded his club in the bunker on on 18. He asked DJ, "Hey, is this a is this a waste area?" I think that went right over DJ's head too. Like, you think you think DJ's actually going to remember something from from a decade ago? He doesn't probably remember what he had for breakfast. No, I was uh, told when they went back there the for the next morning. major, the next PGA during a practice round, someone jokingly asked him about, "Hey, TJ, can you ground your club in there?" And they pointed to one of those wild areas, and he was like, uh, "I don't, I don't know." Like, I just, it really just rolls <laughs> off his back. Right over. Yep. <laughs> no idea. So yeah, you're right. It might have been a little too uh, subtle for, for DJ on, on that one. It, it, the other side of this is there were some seriously awkward moments, no more so than the Air Five at the very end. I mean, it just having social distancing is going to take a little while for guys to get used to. Yes, and and I think as as a larger point to to not having spectators and not having interaction between the players. To me, to me, this four ball match was an absolute death knell for a Ryder Cup without spectators. There is oh, no wow. way that you that you could have watched that match and thought, okay, I think we can go ahead with a Ryder Cup without fans. There was absolutely no atmosphere. There's there's no buzz, and and to me, it just seems like there was a, there was a larger cause here with the players you know, trying to, to earn funds and raise funds for these charity relief efforts. But when you don't have that tangible, just the sound, the energy, the atmosphere, when you don't have that in a Ryder Cup match, so much is lost that the players are eventually going to be wondering, what, what are we even doing this for? Are we just doing this for a television spectacle? Because that's what a Ryder Cup without fans would be. It would just be for the television. Answer, yes, this is a television-only event, and it's going to be that way like I said, into the foreseeable future. I'm with you. I hope we don't play that. I don't think we should play the Ryder Cup without fans. There is no that. way you could watch that match and say, you know what, Absolutely. we can do this. We can do this in five months for a Ryder Cup. There is no way that it that it would be successful. And, and to me, I think the, the players would absolutely hate it. No, very good point. My counter to that is, though, what about the Masters? To me, something is diminished without, without the Masters as well. But can you play the Masters without fans in your mind? Like... It, I think we can simply because it's Augusta. And I think there'll be something to be said for seeing these guys walk on the, this venerable piece of property that we all know from memory so well without the fans. I think there would be an element of coolness to that. Yes. And I think a 72 hole competition is different 
than a team competition where you're, where you're partnering with a player and you've got the emotion and you've got the camaraderie and you've, and you're, and you're trying to win for your partner and win for your country. I think that is totally different than a 72 hole competition. I think you can do it easily. I've been saying this for months. I think the 72 hole competition is perfectly fine. It's not great to not have without spectators, but I think you could have a major championship without spectators and not have a huge issue. It would just be just kind of a, a weird one-off this 20, the 2020 season is going to just be the year of the asterisk, the year that it was just so strange to be able to play tournament golf. And then we'll go back to how it usually is once there's a vaccine. And once we have uh, uh, various remedies for this, I, you know, I think we just, we just move forward and 2020 is just going to kind of be a weird year, but a 72 hole individual competition is totally different than a team event that is predicated on that fan energy and playing for something greater than yourself. I, I really, I really believe that a masters without fans wouldn't be ideal, but I think you could do it. And I think it would be okay. Uh, yes, there would be something diminished, but not as much as a Ryder cup without spectators. To me, that's just a, it's just a non-starter. I think Ricky touched on it and look, he was joking, but I think we can pipe in some sounds. We can pipe in some cheers. After that match last night, I went back and I was watching an old playoff baseball game where you had yeah, it was Cleveland and Chicago the year Chicago broke the curse and, and and won for the first time in a century. And you could hear the crowd, but you didn't necessarily see them. So let's just pipe it in. Let's make it artificial. We do it on sitcoms all the time. Can we not have a soundtrack for golf? And that's the that's the rumor with the NFL telecast, isn't it? Joe Buck got, yeah. found himself in a little bit of hot water, uh, saying that they're they're going to do that. And look, they've got what four months to to figure out something now. I think it's it's pretty clear that they that if they do have the Ryder Cup, it's there's not going to be spectators. I think that's pretty obvious at this point. You're not going to have tens of thousands of fans all packed together over yeah. a four-hole span. Um so they've got 4 months to get creative. If you pipe it in on TV, is that different than piping it in on the golf course? So to me, to me as a viewer experience, I don't care as much about that. It's it's to me are the players going to be as into it if you don't have people cheering for you and, and propelling you to the finish line. No, I, I can, I can certainly see that. And look, this goes to the bigger picture that I'm, I was going to make that. And I agree with you. That's a very good point about this is probably an indication that we shouldn't play the Ryder cup without fans. The opposite of that is, and look, even though there were some awkward moments, I think this is, was a good litmus test for the folks at colonial to look and see exactly how this all went down and to kind of prove the point that look, okay, we can do this on a smaller scale. We just need to, work this back up the studs the walls are already up we need to figure out how to get the roof on and get the rest of the players rest of the caddies rest of the officials everybody from the traveling circus to get inside this bubble and move forward it was a good encouraging start yeah absolutely i'm more optimistic than ever that the pj tour is going to resume june 11th and and it'll be okay the 72 hole competition there is plenty of ways to socially distance as long as the players have you know lysol wipes in their caddy bibs and they wipe down all the rakes and they wipe down flag sticks after each use. I, I honestly do not foresee an issue with the 72 hole competition. It's what happens when you get outside the bubble of the competition, when you get outside the bubble of the clubhouse and kind of that tournament atmosphere, are, are players and caddies going to stay resigned to that designated hotel or are they going to venture out? Are they going to go mingle in groups? That's, that's, are you going to go travel on something that's not those charter planes, you know, that's, that's a way that this model is going to get broken. It's not the 72 hole competition. It's what happens to everything outside of that, where you're potentially going to, going to have some dangers here. And that is when you're going to start to see some of the positive tests if we have them. 
Yeah. And I will say this, that and my wife watched this and my wife never watches golf. You're well aware of that. But the one thing, and she's the one that pointed this out, but the only time throughout the entire broadcast she, that she felt like anyone had sort of violated whatever rules we have when it comes to social distancing right now is Jerry Fultz. She felt like he was too close to Ricky Fowler. And then she stopped herself and said, well, anybody wants to be close to Ricky Fowler. So I don't know how I feel about that comment, but I certainly support the idea. Yeah, I, I'm not sure there was actually, you know, six feet. I'm not sure there was six feet of distance between Lerner and Azinger in the in the uh, in the studio. But but I, I guess we're, aren't we just like approximating at this point? And look, if everyone is getting tested, everyone tests negative, you can have some of those occasional breaches, and it'll be okay. But I thought this I thought this was a ringing endorsement that you could do a 72 hole competition safely. I'm I'm more optimistic than ever before yeah. that that this is that this is going to be starting on time. Uh, and look, I, I don't harken back quite to the days of the old skins game. So maybe this isn't a very good question for you. Uh, maybe not for me either, but I, I'm not sure about the skins format. I think I would have rather seen some sort of just straight up mass player scenario because I caught myself and I kept trying to do the math with the money and then the numbers just got too big and I'm not very good at that. So I just, it was hard for me to put this all together. And I love that it came down to the 18th hole and then the extra hole. I just think you could have come, maybe come up with a little bit better format moving forward. That and and I think for recreational players, it's an absolutely disastrous format because because we're not good enough. But to me, the most interesting format for professional golfers to play in a team setting is alternate shot, just because of some of the awkward spots you have, some of the the weird dynamics. If if you if you leave your your partner in a in a bad position, you re, you really do not want to say sorry, and so. I do it a just lot. to have a little just just to have one element of, of alternate shot I thought I thought would have been cool I thought some of the long drive elements were okay I, I, I like the finish with the with the uh, closest to the pin competition determining the overall champion but but I mean four four balls it it takes a long time it's a little bit slow and you can have some of these carryovers I, I, I also would have liked to see kind of a, a mixed element to this um, you could have brought in some some tailor-made athletes from the LPGA as well to to kind of spruce things up. They certainly would have talked a lot more than, than Dustin Johnson or, or Ricky Fowler would have. I mean, those those two are 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 great. Their their peers absolutely love them, but that's not who you'd actually you you'd want for for some of the banter. To me, that was what was lacking in this competition was some kind of some of that needling that wasn't necessarily PJ Tour marketing driven with with some with some FedEx Cup digs. Well, you want Pat Perez and, and Bubba Watson. I want Eddie Pepperell. Sure. Yeah, that would even work, too. You can throw Ian Poulter in there just to make it a Ryder Cup thing. We could have a lot of fun with that. We really could. I, I mean, look, this was this was a great charity match. The The mission was accomplished. It got more than $5 million. This is a nice appetizer for this week with the Tiger and Phil, and then moving forward with the Colonial Restart. Uh, it, it seems like things are going in the right direction. But if we do this again, Rex... If we chubby do this finger again, in the camera, perfect. Yes, the, yeah. The wag the chubby finger in the camera, just to prove your point. If we do, if we do this again, there are ways to improve it, and we look yeah. forward to pitching those ideas. Now, is there anything going forward, real quick? And I know this is really early in the process, but is there anything moving forward? I think all four of these players are in the field at Colonial. I know Rory is. Uh, I know DJ is. Uh, did you see anything from any of the four that would give you hope that maybe that they would be the ones that could hoist that first trophy back? No, nothing. No. Ricky's no. putting. No. Wow. All right. Well, that was a very quick answer. I didn't mean for it to be that quick. I mean, uh, I, we got, we've got, they've got, they've got three weeks to, to sharpen their games. I, I have, I have little doubt that Rory's going to play well. He's, has he ever played colonial before? Uh, no, he has not. Right. 
So that's, I mean, that's a, that's a golf course. It takes a little bit of time to get, to get used to. Can't imagine DJ's ever played that. That's not a golf course that, that would be right up his alley. Although Brooks has played well there uh, in the past challenge for the title a couple of years ago. Um, so, so maybe it is, maybe it is evolving into a, a long hitters ballpark, although Kevin Oz, the defending champion. Now, I, you did not touch on the highlight of what was yesterday's telecast, and I know it was the highlight for you, and it's when Rich Lerner called you out for your reference, comparing Matthew Wolf to Zion Williamson. Great comparison. Your alliteration, as always, is perfect. I do want to point out, though, it's worth saying that your Zion of golf went 0 for 8 to start the game and missed the game winner at the end. So maybe it was a bit of a stretch for comparison reasons. I'm just saying. But what is Zion known for? He's known for those highlight real slam dunks over like three players on the opposite team. And what did Matt Wolf do yesterday? He won the You're longest drive distance. competition twice. Yeah. Twice. He smashed yeah. it. What? Yeah. He had 345 and then 360 for the winning drive. I mean, that that is Matt Wolf's game. It's not going to be you- pretty for 72 holes. He's not going to absolutely obliterate you. But the, the times that he does shine are going to be absolutely spectacular. And that's what you're going to tell your friends about afterward. Boy, that Matt Wolf with that weird swing, he can absolutely crush the ball. That was on display yesterday. He, he, was, not, he was not sharp. He did, he did not look particularly good. And that was kind of carrying over from what we'd seen early in 2020. The fact that his game just isn't there right now. But he certainly connected on those two plays. Just like Zion connects for a couple high, highlight real smack, slam dunks. Matt Wolf is capable of doing the exact same thing on the tee box. But thank you. I feel like they could point that out. That was absolutely my, my, my favorite moment of the match as well. Also, I would, I would yes. encourage readers to go to golfchannel.com uh, to learn more about Matthew Wolf. I think you can still find it in our archives. I feel like I'm, and it's a very well written story, but I feel like that does a disservice to You actually read it? You actually read it? Three point shooting. Um, let's say yes. <laughs> let's, say nas- <laughs> let's, let's say yes, but in actuality, no. I might have skimmed it. You never know. All right, before we get out of here, uh, apparently we're doing the Where's Lavner version. Uh, last week, it was flowers. It looks like you're back in your office this week. Do you have any other cameos you're going to make around your house before we're done working from home? I mean, we've got, this is a four-bedroom house, three three bathrooms. I mean, there is, there is ample opportunity uh, for me to find another background location. Fortunately, my wife is not uh, ripping her coworkers a new one downstairs. And so I'm able to be back in my office in the solitude of, of, of my of my home office and, and able to do this podcast with you, Rex. It sounds like your wife is really in a contentious job. I'm I'm happy she's in a better place today. These are these are tough times, Rex, especially in in higher education, which is where she works. Uh, well, yes, yeah, she, she's joining the podcast. Even oh, yeah, she is special guest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this edition. Golf Central Podcast presented by TaylorMade. I'm Rex. He's Lab. We'll see you next week. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. I love my cat, Tiger. And as my best friend, we speak our own language. What's that? You love your litter. He does, because I use Fresh Step Outstretch Litter. It absorbs 50% more waste and odor and requires less changing compared to Fresh Step Multicat. 
Less changing means more time playing. <laughs> right, Tiger? That's a yes. Find Fresh Step Outstretch Cat Litter in the pet aisle. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates.